0: 1 Samuel chapter number 21, 1 Samuel chapter number 21, we'll begin our reading here. We're going to read 1 Samuel 21, which is 15 verses, and the first five verses of chapter number 22. We come to this passage of scripture, we're beginning David's exile. Uh, This is a very difficult season in David's life. David has just, uh, it has just been confirmed to him that it is a fact that King Saul has no intentions of changing his mind, and King Saul is going to do everything he can To bring David to death. His jealousy is rich and rank. And so David begins his exile. A very, very difficult season in David's life. It's something interesting about the next several chapters of God's Word as we study through this. Out of this portion of David's life comes some of the most precious of the Psalms. And during these times of great difficulty, uh, God is using the trouble to inspire David to write the Psalms and give us help. It helps David and it's helped us. How many of you ever found uh, solace in a Psalm? Would you raise your hand? And God uses David's trouble to do something that will help people, uh, that has helped people for all these years since and will continue to help people uh, throughout uh, life as long as, the Lord tarries his coming. God's going to use his psalms to encourage people. And we come here chapter number 21, and David is on the move. And as a matter of fact, our four points tonight all have a place and a name associated with them. The best way I could figure to divide this passage of Scripture and some things I think will help us as we study God's Word together and consider David's exile. The Bible says in chapter 21 of 1 Samuel, verse number 1, Then came David to Nob to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech was afraid at the meeting of David and said unto him, Why art thou alone and no man with thee? And David said unto Ahimelech the priest, The king hath commanded me a business and hath said unto me, Let no man know anything of the business whereabout I send thee. And what I have commanded thee and I have appointed my servants to such and such place. Now therefore what is under thine hand? Give me five loaves of bread in mine hand, or what there is present. So David comes to the priest Ahimelech at Nob, and there he's asking for some help. Ahimelech's worried because uh, David's alone, which a man of such uh, stature in the kingdom uh, would normally never travel alone. But David says, I've been appointed to something hasty, and I'm coming at this time. I need some food. Can you provide some bread? The Bible says in verse 4, And the priest answered David and said, There's no common bread under my hand, but there is hallowed bread. If the young men have kept themselves at least from women, and David answered the priest and said unto him, Of a truth, women have been kept from us about these three days since I came out, and the vessels of the young men are holy, and the bread is in a manner common, yea, though it were sanctified this day in the vessel." So the priest gave him hallowed bread, for there was no bread there but the show bread that was taken from before the Lord to put hot bread in the day when it was taken away. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord, and his name was Doeg, an Edomite, the chiefest of the herdmen that belonged to Saul. And David said unto Ahimelech, And is there not here under thine hand a spear? Or sword? For I have neither brought my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. And the priest said, The sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom thou slewest in the valley of Elah, behold, it is here wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If thou wilt take that, take it, for there is no other save that here. And David said, There's none like that, give it me. And David arose and fled that day for fear of Saul. And went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said to him, Is not this David the king of the land? Did they not sing one to another of him in dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands? And David laid up these words in his heart and was sore afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. And he changed his behavior before them and feigned himself mad in their hands and scrabbled on the doors of the gate. And let his spittle fall down upon his beard. Then said Achish unto his servants, Lo, ye see the man is mad. Wherefore then have ye brought him to me? Have I need of madmen that ye have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave, of Adullam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. And every one that was in distress and every one that was in debt and every one that was discontented gathered themselves unto him and he became a captain over them. And there were with him about four hundred men. And David went thence to Mizpah to Mo, of Moab. And he said to the king of Moab, Let my father and my mother, I pray thee, come forth and be with you till I know what God will do for me. And he brought them before the king of Moab, and they dwelt with him all the while that David was in the hold. And we come conclude our reading, actually read verse number 5 with me, sorry about that. And the prophet Gad said unto David, Abide not in the hold, depart and get thee into the land of Judah. Then David departed and came into the forest of Hereth. And we come to this passage of Scripture, and we meet David. He's beginning a new stage of life, and the truth of the matter is, he is doing some things wrong, and he's doing some things right. And uh, I don't know about you, but when I see what David is doing wrong, what David's doing right, I'm reminded of life, and I'm reminded of me. Uh, we step out and embrace and do things new and attempt things for God and His glory. And there are times we do things right and times we do things wrong. have of you ever done something right? Hallelujah. have you ever done anything wrong? How many of you did something right and then immediately followed with something wrong. How many of you did something wrong and then immediately followed with something right. It happens, right? And so we come to David and as a matter of fact, there's even a few questions here in what we've read and some questions in the text as to whether or not David was doing the right thing or the wrong thing. But David's learning and he's in exile and God's going to use this time of trouble and concern and learning to help him and ultimately help us. As God uses his word through the Psalms and his testimony, his life, and his example, both negative and positive. David's exile. Let's just begin here tonight. Number one, Nob and Ahimelech. That's where we'll begin. The first nine verses of chapter number 21, Nob and Ahimelech. Now, David does something wise. He doesn't know where to go, so he goes to the priest of God. Now, David and Samuel were friends, and David knew that he could find refuge among the priests. And so he goes to Ahimelech. And when he goes to Ahimelech in Nob, the priest, the priest is afraid. He's scared because what in the world is David doing here all by himself? And so David, uh, when he answers the question, and he answers Ahimelech, Why are you alone? David answers in verse number 2. David says unto Ahimelech, the priest, The king hath commanded me a business and hath said unto me, Let no man know anything of the business whereabout I send thee and what I have commanded thee, and I have appointed my servants to such and such a place. So David looks at Ahimelech and he tells him something interesting. He says, The king hath commanded me a business. Now, personally, I believe that David looked at Ahimelech the priest right in the eyeballs, And told him a lie. I really do. Now, there's some people who want to defend David and say that David could have said that he was doing the king's business in reference to God. But personally, I think you've got to really stretch it because if he does, he keeps telling awful big lies about what God has sent him to do. Now, he he speaks to him like... Now, there is an idea here and a notion that in just a little while, in the next actually next chapter, chapter number 22, uh, David was protecting Ahimelech. Ahimelech has no idea why in the world David came to get bread at Nob, and he has no idea why David came to get a sword at Nob, and he has no idea why David was all alone. All he knows is what David said, and David says, the king sent me on urgent business, I need a sword, I need some bread, I'm going to meet my men somewhere, and I can't tell you where it's at. And Saul does something really terrible in chapter 22. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about it in the very near future. Saul does something very terrible. When Saul hears from Doeg, his spy, that David has been to see Ahimelech the priest, Saul unjustly condemns Doeg and the people of Nob to death. I'm sorry. Yeah, I had... He condemns Ahimelech and the people of Nob to death. And Doeg is the guy that comes and does it. So there's a sense here that David is protecting Ahimelech. But Ahimelech is told a bold-faced lie by David. I want to encourage you to do something. Lying is not a good option. There may be in the Bible an option, an opportunity where you're in conflict and in war, where there is some opportunity that deception has its place. But I'll have you know something. We're not fighting wars, and lying is not right for God's people. If you think somehow that being dishonest is going to get you what God wants for your life, you're wrong. We need to determine as God's people to be people who speak the truth. The Bible says, thou shalt not bear false witness. And you do not fall under the category of I'm a king of a nation trying to protect a priest, so therefore I must lie. We get in a bad habit of telling half-truths and being deceptive and deceitful and liars. Now, I want you to pay close attention. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will show you the times during this next week that you are tempted to lie. How many of you are willing to pray that prayer? Lord, will you show me if I'm a liar or not? I, I, if you'll pray that prayer, I'd encourage, especially if right now you're thinking to yourself, I don't tell lies. I want you to pray. If you say, I don't tell lies, I want you to take the challenge. And I want you to pray right now I want you to ask the Lord, Lord, will you show me this week, will you show me this week if I allow deception and lies to come out of my mouth? If you'll pray that prayer, I believe during the week God may show you some things that will help you. You know what's wonderful? When God convicts us of our sin, we have the opportunity to confess our sin. He'll forgive us. We should be people who are honest, people who do not deceive, people who tell the truth. I don't know exactly how it may have gone for David had David told the truth. But I am certain when David, if David had told the truth that God would have somehow used it to make it better. You see, we have to speak the truth and obey God and trust God with the results as opposed to trying to manipulate the situations in our lives in order that we can get what we think we need. You see, lying is an evidence that we have no faith in God. Being dishonest is an evidence that we do not trust God to take care of us when we speak the truth. Oh, don't fall into the trap of becoming a liar. We're all tempted to. David was, King David, the man after God's own heart. He was tempted to, and he did. And we learn about this at Nob with David's encounter with Ahimelech. The Bible says in verse 3, Now, Therefore, what is under thine hand? David speaks to Himalaya. He says, give me five loaves of bread in mine hand or what there is present. He says, I need something to eat. The Bible says in verse 4, And the priest answered David and said, There is no common bread under mine hand. But there is hallowed bread if the young men have kept themselves at least from women. Verse 4 gives a little testimony as to what's going on in the church at this moment in the hearts of the people, the Israelites, God's people. There's actually a a testimony to their unfaithfulness here in Nob. You see, the people would have, have, according to the Old Testament law, would have been bringing in tithes of, of bread and tithes of things that they had. And had the people of Nob been faithful to what they were doing, there would have been common bread plenty, To do the work of the Lord. Common bread plenty. When the man of God, David, came through needing five loaves of bread, the church would have been able to supply the need and done its work. I know I use the word church loosely. But in this instance, the people, their hearts had grown cold towards God and they weren't doing what God had commanded them to and called them to in regards to their service to the house of God. So... There was showbread. There was bread that had been put out as a sacrifice and put before the Lord. The bread was changed and kept fresh. And he says, I have hallowed bread. Bread that we've taken off to uh, and replaced with something fresh that we've put before the Lord. He says, I can give you that if you can tell me that the boys that you're going to feed are clean. Here's one of the reasons why. I think that he may be lying. And not just dis- using... The word king for God is an interchangeable word. The Bible says in verse 5, And David answered the priest and said to him, Of a truth, women have been kept from us about these three days. Since I came out and the vessels of the young men are holy and the bread is in a manner common, yea, though it were sanctified this day in the vessel. So the priest gave him hallowed bread, for there was no bread there but the show bread that was taken from before the Lord to put hot bread in the day when it was taken away. Verse number 7. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord. His name was Doeg. We're going to meet Doeg later. And Doeg needed to be detained in the house of the Lord, but it didn't work. He is low down good for nothing if there was ever a low down good for nothing his name is Doeg. don't ever name your children doe egg anybody's name doe in here Whew, i'm glad hello doe egg i see your hand i see that hand does he ever act like doe yeah yeah i thought so doe egg Doeg had been detained before the Lord. Why in the world was he detained before the Lord? Most people believe that he was detained before the Lord because the Bible says again that he was an Edomite. He was not a Jew. He was actually a proselyte, and he was probably doing what was necessary to become uh, clean before the Jewish people so that he could serve because he was the chiefest herdman of King Saul. Verse 8 David said to Himelech, He's got some bread, now he needs some weapons. David says to Ahimelech, Is there not here under thine hand a spear or sword? For I have neither brought my sword nor my weapons with me because the king's business required haste. Verse 9. And the priest said, The sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom thou slewest in the valley of Elah, behold, it is here wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If thou wilt take that, take it. For there is no other save that here. And David said, there is none like that. Give it me. And so we end our time at Nob with Ahimelech for now. And David is making his way away from Nob, away from Ahimelech, carrying the sword of Goliath. I can't imagine. I'd like to see the sword of Goliath. I'm hoping that's one of those things I get to see when I get to heaven. I'd like to see the sword of Goliath. How many of you would like to see the sword of Goliath? That would be fun, wouldn't it? So, David's got the sword of Goliath. There's none like that one. And now he leaves Nob, he leaves Ahimelech, and he does something really, 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 really not smart. Now, Goliath, where was he from? Goliath, the champion from the town of 123? Gath. Gath. That's right. Now, I'll just tell you something. If I were David, the guy who killed Goliath, of Gath, and I was looking to escape somewhere, somewhere safe, somewhere where no one would know me, where no one would identify me, somewhere where I could hide out until Saul died or something happened. If I could think of anywhere on the planet that I would not go, I would not go to Gath. Guess what David did? He went to Gath. He went to Gath. Way to go, David. You're a real genius. Look at the Bible says in verse number 10. So here goes David with Goliath's sword in his hand. The Bible says in verse number 10 David arose and fled that day for fear of Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. Verse number 11. And the servants of Achish said to him, Is not this David the king of the land? Did they not sing one to another of him in dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens? Ten thousands, And David laid up these words in his heart and was sore afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. Now, let me see two things here in verse 10. Verse 10 of the Bible says, He left there and fled to Achish, king of Gath. Why? Because he was in fear of Saul. Then he hears the crowd of people singing the same song that had haunted him previously. David Saul has killed his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. The women started singing that, and now the men of Gath are singing the same song that had driven Saul crazy. It's almost like David has this moment, is like, oh no, they know the song too. And David, before the king of Achish, the Bible says that he thought he laid up these words in his heart and was sore afraid of Achish. Now, when I look at David, I think David. Why in the world would you, of all people, carry Goliath's sword into the presence of Achish, the king of Gath? By the way, that's the second point, Gath and Achish. I say, David, are you drunk? And the truth of the matter is it's worse than drunk. It's worse than drunk. It's worse than... Being under the influence. It's worse. He was afraid. Folks, I want you to know something about fear. Fear drove David out of God's will. Yeah, that's what fear does. You see, when we live in fear, we open ourselves up to all kinds of foolishness. I've said often lately that the fear of man works a snare because we see it happen in David's lives, and Bible characters' lives often. The fear of man works a snare. And if you live in fear and you're more concerned about what men can do to you than what God can do to you, you're going to make terrible mistakes. Fear drove him out of God's will. I want you to understand that fear makes you make terrible decisions. If you use fear... As a means by which to make decisions about raising your children. You'll make terrible decisions. I'm so scared of what might happen to them. That you overreact, you overcompensate. Or you fall prey to the temptation to not correct and not train and not instill in the lives of your children. The truth of God's word. I'll just have you know something. Fear will make you make decisions to one extreme or the other. Fear is never a good aid in making decisions. That's why the Bible says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. That's why it's so important that we understand that true faith is found in our ability to rest in God. David was worse than drunk, he was afraid. And we see it all through the Psalms. We couldn't begin to talk and look at all the different references in one sermon of all the times that David is in this battle between fear and faith and trusting and fearing. But every time that he has a moment to sit down and write about it and sing about it and help us about it in the Psalms, he always reminds us to trust in the Lord. He always reminds us to wait patiently on the Lord. He always reminds us, the faithfulness of God. And the damaging nature of a spirit that is afraid. Look, you don't have to be afraid. Fear is... Crushes our spirits. Fear prevents us from making wise decisions. And David, I'm talking about the King David. The man after God's own heart. When he got afraid of Saul. And when he got afraid of Achish, of Gath. He did some of the most crazy things. The first thing when he's afraid of Saul, what would he do? He carries Goliath's sword into Gath. That's dumb. Don't do that. But I'll have you know something. If you're ruled by fear, you'll make decisions that are that ridiculous. And justify it because of your fear. Then what else does it do? Because of his fear, he acts like a fool. Look how he responds. He's afraid of Achish. He's afraid the people have... Chanted, and they sang the song that torments him again. The Bible says in verse 13 that he changed his behavior before them. And feigned himself mad in their hands. He acted like a wild man. He acted like a madman. He acted like he'd lost his mind. He was crazy. I like this little phrase. And scrabbled on the doors of the gate. That literally means he just wrote on them. I don't know if he wrote a tic-tac-toe board or, or what he wrote, but he wrote something on the gates. He's writing. Maybe he's writing. His, I don't know what he's writing. But he just starts acting crazy. He starts writing on the doors of the gates. He lets spittle fall down upon his beard. And the king Achish says unto his servants, Lo, ye see the man is mad. Wherefore then have you brought him to me? Achish says, why in the world have you brought him to me? Have I need of madmen that you, may, you have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? The Bible says in verse number 1 of chapter 22, David therefore departed. He departed and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So we move from Nob and Ahimelech to Gath and Achish. And now, number 3, to Adullam and the 400. Adullam and the 400. Look what the Bible says in verse number 1. David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. Now, this is an interesting thing to me. I don't know how in the world that his brothers and his fathers and this group of people heard that he went to the cave of Adullam. I'm personally convinced that God told them. David was alone when he made a fool of himself in Gath. But he goes to the cave of doom and in the cave of doom he writes a psalm that I love. I've preached it probably more than any psalm in the book of Psalms, Psalm 142. It's that psalm where David says, I looked on my right hand and refuge failed me. He says, no man cared for my soul. It was in that psalm and in that cave, the cave of Dulem, that David writes. He says, no man cared for my soul. No man cared for my soul. But he learns at that moment that he can pray. Now, what did he do? In Gath with Achish, he was afraid. So what did he do? He did really ridiculous things. But when God spares him from Achish in Gath and leads him to a Dulem, In the cave of Doolam, he has a moment to think and pray. And God begins to comfort his heart and fill him not with fear, but fill him with peace. Fill him with joy. Fill him with promise and hope. And in Psalm 142, he learns that he can pray and trust the Lord. He learns that God is faithful. He learns that God will provide. He learns that God understands why he's in that cave. And in Psalm 142, he says something that's so profound. He's sitting there praying, and God is speaking to him, and he says, The righteous shall compass me about, for thou wilt deal bountifully with me. That's what he says. He says, I may be in the cave all by myself, feeling that no man cares for my soul, but Lord, I know that you are going to meet my need. You'll be my place, and you'll be my portion. And the righteous will compass me about, for you're going to deal bountifully with me. And I want you to see Psalm 142 in a nutshell, in one verse. David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave of Doolan. Right there at that uh, colon. You see the colon in our text? Right there at that colon is the moment when he writes Psalm 142. He says, Lord, I'm trusting you. I know you know my path. Lord, I know that you're going to be faithful. I know that I can depend on you. I know I don't have to be afraid. I know that I'm not alone. I know you're going to deal bountifully with me. And in that colon, he writes Psalm 142. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, how to hear it? I'm confident that God let them know. They went down thither to him. What's the next verse? And everyone that was in distress, and everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him, and he became a captain over them, and there were with him about 400 men. God blessed. You see, when David came to the place where he was willing to, To trust the Lord and not be ruled by fear. Trust the Lord and not be ruled by deceit. When he moves from Nob to Gath and finally to Adullam. And he humbles himself and prays and seeks the Lord and rests in the Lord. God shows himself faithful. And the next thing you know. David, who said, I can't, I've looked on my right hand and refuge failed me, no man cared for my soul, is looking at 400 people who would be faithful to him, 400 people who would serve him, 400 people who would fight for him, 400 people who God would use to establish his kingdom, the nation of Israel, under the leadership of David. I'm just wanting you to know something that when you make decisions that, that are rooted in faith, God proves himself faithful. God proves himself faithful. And it happened to David, Adullam, and the 400, and finally Moab and mom and dad. This seems a bit insignificant, but I thought it was pretty neat, pretty interesting, that God made sure that we know that David was taking care of his parents. Look what the Bible says in chapter number 22 and verse number 3, the next verse. The Bible says, And David went thence to Mizpah of Moab. And he said unto the king of Moab, Let my father and my mother, I pray thee, come forth and be with you till I know that God till I know what God will do for me. And he brought them before the king of Moab, and they dwelt with him all the while that David was in the hold. And the prophet Gad said unto David, Abide not in the hold; depart, get thee into the land of Judah. Then David departed, and came into the forest of Harith. What does David do? David says, "You know, King Saul's going to be after mom and dad. Saul often refers to David as that son of Jesse." And so David takes his parents. And puts them in Moab. It's interesting. Now, who is the most famous Moabitess? Her name is one, two, three. Ruth, that's right. Ruth. Do you know that Ruth is David's great-grandmother? Ruth is David's great-grandmother. And so, David says, we're going to send you, mom and dad, down to be with the king of Moab for a short time. To keep you safe. Protect you. Now, there are some folks who look at that verse and they say, well, he should have never sent them to Moab. In this instance, I think that God uh, kind of gives a thumbs up and says it's okay because while David is getting mom and dad settled in at Moab and is in hold there for just a while, the prophet speaks to him and says, get out of Moab. That's not where you need to be. Come back. Come back to Judah. The Bible says David departed and came into the forest of Hera. And God works there. You see, in David's exile, David begins to make some good decisions. And God's going to prove himself faithful. You know what I like about this story? David makes two bad decisions. And God gives him another chance. He makes two good decisions. And we watch God bless him and bless him. Do you know... I'm thankful that when I make a bad decision, God gives me a chance to make a good one. And I'm thankful that just because I've made two or three bad decisions in a row doesn't mean that God is finished with me. But His mercies are new every morning. And I have an opportunity to start fresh. And David, in this instance, he really blew it. How silly could you be? Lying. To Ahimelech the priest. How silly could you be. Going with Goliath's sword. To Gath. He makes some big mistakes. But when he decides. To repent. And trust the Lord. In a doom, Guess what? God begins to bless and work. And the opportunity that David has to serve God. Is fresh and new. His mercies are new every morning. And we have that same grace extended to us. God is faithful. You may be in a moment of exile, a moment that's very difficult. I'll have you know something. Out of the difficulties, God wants to prove to you that doing what is right is always what is right, that trusting is never in vain, that fear is always a poor decision, and God is faithful. And in your exile, just maybe in your exile, in your time of distress, God wants to use it to bring glory to himself and use you to help other people. He's faithful like that. That's some of David's exile and will continue in the near future. But God always proves himself faithful. It's always right to do what's right. Maybe we can learn something from David and his travels, his failures, and his successes. I believe that's God's intention as we study his word.